Welcome to Over the Goal Line, a Cornell University women's ice hockey podcast. Throughout this offseason, we'll be bringing you both behind-the-scenes banter, as well as coverage of other interesting topics around the sports world, featuring player appearances and other special guests. Now, here is your host, number 23, Finley Frechette. Welcome to episode 9 of Over the Goal Line. I'm your host, Finley Frechette. A lot of crazy things have been happening in the last few weeks, and I hope each and every one of you have found some sort of way to cope with the new normal. I myself have been starting to do things that I've always loved but haven't always had the time for. So I've been painting and drawing and hanging out with my siblings. I've even started to try out yoga, which as my friends would say, does not really sound like my cup of tea because I'm usually all about moving and fast-paced workouts. But I stepped out of my comfort zone for this, and I found that I actually really do like it. It slows my brain down a bit, which I think is really important given all of the current events. So, I'm not going to lie, recording this podcast of Over the Goal Line was really amazing. As many of you know, after college, I want to go into the sports broadcasting, radio, media, or something like that field. And as a result, I found a lot of females in roles similar to what I'm interested in to look up to. One of those people is Sarah Spain. Sarah is actually a Cornell grad who is on the track and field team. She's an Emmy and Peabody award-winning radio host, a TV personality and writer. She's also a host of the podcast Spain and Company, and that's what she said. She's a writer for ESPNW, a regular panelist on Around the Horn and Highly Questionable, and a SportsCenter reporter. And for this episode of Over the Goal Line, I got to interview her for my podcast. Take a listen. I'm so excited to welcome Sarah Spain to this episode of Over the Goal Line. You guys cannot see my facial expression because this is a podcast, but I have a huge smile on my face <laughs> because Sarah is doing something that I'm very interested in pursuing as a career. So having her onto my podcast is pretty crazy. So thank you very much for joining us, Sarah. Yeah, thanks for having me. So let's get right into it. You went to Cornell, you were an English major, as I understand, and you were on the track and field team. Can you talk a little bit about what your overall Cornell journey was like? Yeah, oh my gosh. Well, it was it was funny because when I was in high school, I applied to about eight schools and the person who came to speak about Cornell at my high school wasn't a great speaker, didn't really sell it. And so my, my top choice was Dartmouth. And then I went to Cornell on my recruiting trip for track and I just loved it and ended up being so happy that I, that I got in and ended up choosing it. Um, I had a great experience. You know, one of the nice things about track and field is that even though it's um, a two-season two sport, there are opportunities if necessary to do some stuff on your own if your schedule needs uh, a little bit of flexibility. And originally I was going to uh, try to walk on to basketball um, by my sophomore year and then you know, with, with my school and classes and everything else that I was trying to do, it ended up just being better to focus on, on track. And I felt like I got such a great balance of everything I got to do with the track team and being an athlete. And then also this great group of friends. I lived with the same 14 girls my junior and senior year in a house right off of, um, right on College Ave. And, yeah. you know, we just had a reunion in uh, August. Uh, 12 out of the 15 were able to get together at the same time. And, um, you know, just made some really incredible friends. And then, you know, between school and um, being able to do a bunch of other kind of stuff on the side, I felt like I got to leave having had like a really amazing uh, college experience. I think also being an English major, um, it, it 
it came a little bit more naturally. And then also it's a little less scary than being like an engineer or something. Right. Um, so I, I felt like I was able to like, you know, of course I was stressed and I you know worked hard and all that, but it felt like I really just loved the experience and got to do, you know, social life and sports and school. Right. Yeah, I have the same experience. And an example of that is having my own podcast and being able to start it and figuring out ways to manage your life so that you can do things and prioritize different things. Yeah, that's um, amazing. And that sort of, yeah, and that sort of leads in to my next question, which is playing a sport and growing up, you know, sports have always been a major part of our lives. And if you're fortunate enough to be able to play and pursue that dream in college, um, it seems like at sometimes it's a full-time job. It's a, the best kind of full-time job, but it definitely is very time-consuming. And for a lot of athletes, after your four years in college, you go off into the world and you do something else, do something completely different. But I was wondering with you, if pursuing a career in sports was always something that you had in mind and were interested in, or did that sort of come about after you graduated? No, it's interesting. I um, My parents weren't really into sports. They liked to play tennis and they were active and they were like supportive of me being like obsessed with Michael Jordan and the 90s Bulls and everything. But they weren't, um, it just wasn't really their thing. So growing up, especially being a girl, there weren't a lot of people around me that naturally kind of fostered my interest in sport. It was just sort of like, oh, she's an athlete. She's a jock, whatever. Um, and it just didn't occur to me. I don't think we even had ESPN growing up. So I would watch, the, you know, the Bulls and occasionally catch, you know, a little bit of the Bears or the Cubs. But it was really just this obsession with the Bulls and basketball. And I put it to the side. It was separate from my aspirations, like, as a career. And so I wanted to be a writer and a comedian actress. I wanted to be on Saturday Night Live was the dream. And so oh, wow, um, yeah. going to Cornell, you know, I, I kind of had always known because I was a three-sport athlete in high school and then I did stuff in the summers as well for AAU, for basketball and nationals for track that I wasn't going to be able to be a drama major. Um, everything right. was always in conflict. You know, I could maybe do talent show, but I could never do a full play. And the same was, was uh, the case at Cornell. At one point, I considered potentially skipping my winter season of track to do the play because um, mm -hmm. everything was always overlapping. I, I spent three days doing auditions for an acapella group. And then the last day I got in and then they told everyone, by the way, we're changing our schedule. So that we mostly practice on Saturdays. And I was like, Oh, oh well that doesn't well, work. Yeah. <laughs> that's all my meets. So thank you for having me for the last three straight days. Um, so, um, <laughs> it was really sort of like, I'll be an English major. I'll be able to take all these classes that interest me in drama and theater and acting and everything else. Um, but I'll have this base of writing. And so um, it wasn't actually until I moved out to LA after college and was doing auditions and classes and whatever that I took a TV sports reporting class. Uh, it was like a boot camp for the weekend. And uh, actually, it wasn't TV sports reporting that came after. It was just a boot camp for regular TV hosting to practice intros right. and teases. And I hosted a fake Chicago Bears show just to practice. And the teacher was like, Oh, you want to do sports? And I was like, Nah, there's no women in sports. And the couple that I've right. seen don't get to be funny, they don't have personality. Um, and she said, oh, you should at least consider it. So then I took the TV sports reporting class, kind of got the itch, realized I could combine all these things that I, that I cared about. And um, that really was what got me on the path to trying to do it. it. Honestly, at ESPNW, we always say, if you can see it, you can be it. And that's why it's so right. important to put women in positions all over you know, the industry and everywhere else. And, and I hadn't seen it. There was just so, so right. few women. So it didn't occur to me until later. Yeah, and it's really cool for me trying to go into what you're doing and 
sort of seeing more and more women each time breaking in, breaking the mold, which is really amazing for me to see. Part of my goal by creating this podcast was to give Cornell women's hockey the recognition that we deserve, but more broadly to give female sports more of a voice in general. Um, I love create a that. Platform. Yeah, create a platform from that for that. So, and can I just say, I'm so bummed for you guys, both hockey teams. Like, just you know, so many magical things have to come together to have a top ranked season. And you know, I know there's bigger things happening in the world, and it's totally necessary. But I'm sorry that your season got got uh, ended the way that it did. Yeah, thank you very much. It was it was a pretty magical ride having both the men's and women's yeah. team being number one. And yeah. there was something special in the locker rooms that I've talked about a lot with people. Um, and it'll always sort of be an unwritten story there. But um, I, I guess you just I claim can... the title. You know, if you if yeah. you finish it one, I say you just claim it. Make the rings. Yeah. Pretend it happened. No one needs <laughs> to know. No one will remember twenty yeah. years from now. Just say you won. Um, well, I guess that goes into my question about current events and with the cancellation of sports, as we just talked about, it greatly affected my hockey season and also my lacrosse team season. We only got to have six games and there was potential for greatness there, too. Um, so I was wondering with you and your job, how did the quote unquote pause of sports affect you and what you do daily? Well, I host a three-hour radio show every night, so yeah. <laughs> coming up with things to talk about has been a bit more challenging. Um, we still had a lot of NFL free agency. Now we're leading up to the NFL draft. We've had all sorts of conversations about how various leagues are trying to prepare and plan for a return eventually. Uh, the cancellation right. or postponement of the Olympics, we talked a lot about you know what that means for Olympic athletes. Um, we've had a lot of fun with people talking about how they're spending their quarantines. So um, it really has affected um, even the stuff that can stay the same. So I do a weekly podcast and then a nightly radio show. Um, so figuring out how to do some of those with the producers and other people doing it from home with a very limited staff uh, being allowed to go into the buildings in Bristol to make it make it happen. Um, right. And then you know I do around the horn usually twice a week and highly questionable twice a week and on TV. And so, so far, we've just done these shortened segments that are called like around the home or highly quarantined. And right, uh, right now, we're actually starting to try to get into uh, kind of shaping the way we'll do it potentially for television. So going through making sure everybody has a really good setup and uh, potentially, right. potentially boning up the internet connections to make sure there's not the glitches that you sometimes see on Zoom calls and stuff at home. So we're doing our best to get through it because it certainly feels like it's going to be longer than many of us anticipated. And yeah. at some point, we do want to get a lot of the shows back on the air and not yeah. have it be, you know, 1985 championship of something and then like right. four hours of NFL live and then eight sports. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah, I've been seeing some more creativity um, shine through in these moments and certain sure. instances of having, you know, NHL players, for example, that are usually rivals on the ice, but doing Zoom calls and answering mm -hmm. funny questions, which is a yeah, side that you a lot of personalities, to... which at least yeah. like, is, a, is a tiny bonus in all of this is like, see people's houses and personalities and hidden talents and whatever. Exactly. But, uh... Uh, of yeah. we'd, all, we'd all love to have real sports to talk about. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's something you never thought you would see, but it's pretty, pretty cool given what we are dealing with. Yeah. Um, sure. So I guess going back to um, what we were talking about, about females breaking the mold of what seems to be a male dominated area. 
from your perspective, have you sort of noticed a trend in female sports coverage? And is there anything that you can do or have been doing to help promote the coverage of female sports? Yeah, I mean, it's massively different from even just a couple years ago. So I started with ESPN as an update anchor on the local Chicago radio station, ESPN 1000. And about six or seven months later is when I started working with ESPNW, which was just getting underway. And ESPNW is aimed at the female sports fan and athlete. And it's just a branch of the regular website. Um, but it's a, it's a landing space where you know you're going to get all the coverage of, of female athletes you're looking for in the perspective right. of, of female writers and stuff. And a lot of it bleeds over to the main site. It's not like it's hidden over there, but it is right. a, kind of a focused area if that's what you want. And just to have that within the company and to have right. people from W in meetings and on shows and, you know, talking concept and talking about, you know, um, how we create the content that we do has made such a big difference. If you think about it, even just dumb stuff like on social media, when they ask for great coaches or great players, or they say, you know, which room would you choose? And it's like six right. rooms of athletes. They started including women. And even like five years ago, it would be so easy not to do that. And you'd get, a, you know, a minority, a loud minority of people in the comments saying, where's the women? But it wouldn't right. occur to the people that are making those decisions. Um, not necessarily because they were flat out misogynist, but because they'd, they'd grown up in a world that prioritized male athletes and male sports and it just didn't occur to them. But now ESPNW is in all these spaces and someone like me who writes for W but has other jobs around the company, then I get right. to my radio station and I say, okay, I want Imani McGee Stafford on our show because she's deferring two years of the WNBA to go to law school. And that's an interesting story. Or I'm in right. a meeting for around the horn and I say, you know, Sabrina Ionescu has got a real good chance of breaking this record tonight. We should, you should do this story in the, in the buy or sell part of the show. So um, really just bringing awareness to it. And, right. you know, I think it's, it's, it's a, there's a massive change. There's obviously way more that needs to be done, but mm -hmm. you know, you look at even programming from a couple years ago and, and there's a, there's a, way different approach to how to include and make sure that we're uh, highlighting the accomplishments of, of women's sports teams and athletes. Well, that's, that's amazing. And thank you for sharing that with uh, not only me, but the audience, but it's definitely inspiring for me to hear that. Um, obviously there's still work to be done, but um, how much the gap has closed in that aspect um, is, is again, very inspiring. Yeah. Uh, so much of it is making it interesting, right? So and it also matters who's in charge. Like there are certain bosses that I have that I know I can take a great story that's, you know, female focused and they'll be down for right. it. And then there's other ones where I know like it's going to take some real maneuvering and that has to be right. on my end. How do I make sure that they know that this is compelling and interesting? I had one producer that was like, nobody really wants to hear about, you know, Serena Williams. And like, she almost died in childbirth. She's the greatest yeah. tennis player of all time. I just don't know if there's appeal there. And I'm like, there is <laughs> story. It doesn't even matter yeah. if it wasn't the greatest tennis player of all time, but, um, and so sometimes the battles are a little tougher and you have to get more creative in convincing them that, that right. you, the storyteller, which is a big part of your job, um, right. whether it's radio, television or writing can make people interested. And I always right. use the example of like, people will sit down and watch the little league world series. It's children. And you're telling me that they won't watch women. Why is that? Because you take the time to tell the stories because you make people understand the stakes so that they care. We can do that with women's sports too. You just have to decide that it matters to you. Right. Okay. Well, I want to thank you for your time. And on over the goal line, I like to have some serious talk and then also some playful fun. Um, 
So I've prepared six this or that questions that are rapid oh, fire. No. Based oh, on the stress, the pressure. Based off of Cornell and Ithaca um, time. So if you're ready, answer as quick as you can. Okay, okay we'll see if any of these places existed when I, know. I was there. I tried AF. Some of them are <laughs> some of them are places, some of them are things to do. So we'll see how you do. Okay. Places to study, Olin Library or Man Library? Uh, I think I only went to Olin, so Olin over man. Okay. Exercises in the gym, squats or benching? Oh, gross. Uh, benching. <laughs> benching. Benching is easier because when you suck at it, you just stop, whereas squats, you have to keep going. You get your form starts to suck. <laughs> um, places to explore, the gorges or the commons? Oh, the gorges. Yeah, beautiful. Your favorite Ithaca season, fall in Ithaca or spring in Ithaca? Uh, fall because you're so excited to get back to school and see your friends. Good answer. Places to hang out, the slope or the ag quad? Oh, slope for sure. I crush slope day. <laughs> and the final one, place to be, Lina Rink or Barton Hall? Oh, Barton Hall, <laughs> baby. I knew the house champions at Barton <laughs> Hall my senior year. That was our house. <laughs> I knew the answer, but I had to ask that for, for the hockey Also podcast. the home, uh, I've been told by big Deadhead fans, the home of one of the greatest Grateful Dead shows ever, Barton wow, Hall. Wow, that's exciting. I yeah. didn't know that. Look it up. Yeah. I will. Hey, it's Sarah Spain. Let's go Red. I hope you guys enjoyed listening to this interview just as much as I enjoyed recording and conducting it. Female sports coverage definitely has a long way to go, but as Sarah and I discussed, sometimes it is great to take a step back and to look at the progress that has been made. I'm really proud that I can help contribute towards this progress with this podcast. However small my contribution is, I know that I'm helping push the coverage of female sports in the right direction. Thank you all for tuning in this week. See you next time for episode 10. Let's go Red! Tune in next time to Over the Goal Line, a Cornell University women's ice hockey podcast. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe to this podcast, available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Lipson, and WVBR.com. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Over the Goal Line, and follow the team on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Cornell W Hockey. Until next time, Go Big Red!